Hi, I'm Tim from Marathon Mates. In this episode, we're going to turn things up a bit and talk about all things about summer running and training in the heat. Are you ready to run? Let's go. Welcome to the thrilling world of the flying runner, brought to you by the Marathon Mates. to the flying runner it's our 20th episode tony i think when we started this uh, podcast series you said that the average podcast length was about 10 episodes long so we've doubled that so we're doing really well good work guys and for everyone out there we're going to keep on going for a little while yet anyway um so um today's episode we're going to be talking about uh training in the summer months um it's summertime here in the southern hemisphere and we're going to crank things up and talk about all things running in the heat. So don't sweat it out. We've got you covered this summer. I had to throw the tip in this, uh, the, the joke in there. Um, but also, in addition to talking about fun running in summer, we've got a special little treat for you all at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. But before we start to talk about hot weather running, it's good as always to uh, see my marathon mates here on the screen and to talk with them tonight. So, Tony, Tara, how are you both going? And welcome. <laughs> thanks tim i'll let you go first tara you'll have more things to talk about <laughs> i'm not sure about that um tim and i did kedron park oh we did our normal training during the week i wasn't feeling 100 percent still from last weekend where i sort of did a lot of walking so during the week i did a bit more walking and didn't really run again until park run on saturday the Kedron Park Run, which was great, nice flat course. And Sunday we did our long run again. So that was a 21 kia. Um not nothing fast, just it was too hot. <laughs> um, but a lot faster than the week before. So yeah, getting there slowly. What about you, Tony? How's that ankle? Well, I as you know, I got the uh, I had an MRI scan done on it on Friday, and after I had the MRI, uh, the person doing it, uh, the good folk down at Annalee Q Scan, said, "I think we need to X-ray that. I think that you've got a fracture." So I said, "You beauty, that's awesome! I'm so excited for that." <laughs> so, so then we got it x-rayed and the lady confirmed to me that there was a fracture and so suggested I go straight to the hospital and get it put into a moon boot. And I was a little bit all over the place, to be honest, because um, being in a moon boot where I work at the moment is just not possible. Um, I, I, For those that don't know, I work in a a food production plant in the, as a leadership coach and I, I go into production all the time and when you go into production you've got to take your shoes off you've got to put the right gear on all that sort of stuff as you'd imagine um, with cleanliness and uh, safety and food safety standards so I just wouldn't be able to do that with a moon boot so I um, had a good chat with my physio who was the one that referred me and we basically just I'm in a bit more of a tighter brace on the ankle, but not a moon boot. And I'm it's actually not feeling too bad. So we're four weeks into the healing cycle, maybe another two weeks. And I might be able to put a little bit more load on it. But at the moment, just really casual. I did my first exercise bike indoors this morning. And to be honest, that just bores me to death. <laughs> but I need to be doing something. Sharon's training's going well. She's training with Tim. And uh, I, I think she got into the 8K category on the weekend. She's been slow coming back from both marathons, but uh, she's starting to feel really good. But do dominated by the heat, yeah. you know, both of them when they got back to the car were just sweaty as so it's a really good time for our segment tonight i think 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, We're, I know that our long run, I always have my Camelback hydration pack with me and I put about a litre and a half of water in it for a half marathon. Normally I come back with a fair chunk of that. The whole entire thing was gone, plus my 500ml bottle of um, electrolytes. So mm. it was a very, very warm day. Yeah, I don't know what's worse. We've got some friends in Ireland, Northern Ireland, who were talking about running park running three degrees on Saturdays. So I don't know if you want the really, really cold or the the really, really hot and sweaty. I I think that's hot and sweaty. Somewhere in the middle would be perfect, wouldn't it? So that's it. That's it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks for the update this week. So let's get to the news, Tony. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, Tony. Um, so, Tara, we're going to kick things off with you. So, uh, what's happening in this week's news? Excellent. Thanks, Tim. I hope I don't get any of those names. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the New York City Marathon stats have come out this week, and the, aren't they impressive? So, we had fifty-one thousand nine hundred thirty-three starters, and fifty-one thousand three hundred and thirty-eight finishes. So. So close to 100%. We had a 98.9% completion rate. Um, only mm. 531 of the runners in the field failed to finish. So that's just that's like 1%. Ridiculously awesome, I reckon. Yeah, it is. And there's so many reasons for that, I, I guess. But one of the really big ones is that whole concept of the final finishes and you know, it was interesting. I was listening to Marathon Talk, the Abbott's World Majors um, Marathon podcast that they do. And from what was being said is that they had all six race directors there at New York for the majors and they were having a panel discussion. And they actually all were in awe of the New York Marathon and the final finishes, the way they treat the final finishes. I, I don't think that's ever going to change the way Boston or any some of those other tough ones do their marathon run their marathons. But you know, to be able to have pretty much that open open ended um, time zone almost to complete your marathon, I think that that adds a real difference to what you see in the other marathons. It's definitely an inclusive marathon for everyone who's from the fastest to the slowest, everyone's included in that marathon, which is the best part for anyone who wants to try a marathon as well. It's a good one to probably start with because it doesn't have a finish time and you've got all those crowd of people just pushing you along. So, mm. yeah. Um, so we have 28,501 were men, so 55% of them were men. Uh, 22,807 were females, so 44%. 94 finishes were non-binary, so less than 1%. Uh, We had 16,748 international finishes, 148 countries that were represented. Wow. And, yeah, no, not bad, is it? Like, that's like almost every country. Well, there's so. two, 220, I think, countries roughly mm. in the world. So mm. there's a lot that can't get there at the present yeah. time with what's going on. So, um, and we had all 50 states, of um, United States, all 50 of them, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico and Guam were represent, represented. Um, out of our Australian runners, we had 820 of them. 424 men, 391, sorry, 394 women, and one of ours were non-binary. So wow. That's good. Yeah. Eight, 820 is huge for an Australian contingent of runners. Um, it just shows you how big that event is to Australians. So I, I would say it's the biggest marathon outside of Australia for Australians to travel to. Yeah. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to see the streaming numbers too, how many people actually watched the stream live on KO, I think it was on um, overnight. So that would also indicate um, how what a coveted event the New York Marathon is. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, 
those numbers are seriously impressive, but my favourite stat of the whole entire marathon was Betty Clark of Canada. She was the last person home and she is 68 years of age. She completed the full marathon in a time of 13 hours, 11 minutes and 48 seconds. So her half marathon was 5 hours 36 and averaged a pace of 18 minutes and 47 seconds per kilometre. That's like, like, that's just amazing. Like, I'm really in awe of her because Mm. to be out there for that long is tough on the body. It's, um, It's a serious effort. To stay upright and moving for 13 hours at that pace would not be easy, especially on a hard road. So yeah. yeah, so it shows shows lots of guts there yeah, and determination to get it done. Um, I reckon they're the mm. things that need to be applauded. I couldn't imagine doing anything for thirteen hours apart mm. from sleeping or something occasionally when I've got a seriously bad hangover. But um, <laughs> or having to get on a flight to go to a <laughs> going overseas. Yeah, but um, thirteen hours on that course, slogging it out for eighteen mm. minutes. 18 and a half, almost 19 minute kilometers. Um, she's done phenomenally well. And considering she would have been in the last wave, no doubt, kicking off at 11 o'clock, that's like an almost a midnight finish. So, yep. amazing. And looking at the footage, there was still a lot of people there to cheer her on at the end as well, which is so, I love that about the New York Marathon, how they have the Finishes party, I think you said it was. Yeah, the final finishes party. It's definitely, right. yeah, it's definitely on my list. So, yeah. Um, for next year, um, I just got to make sure we, oh, well, Sharon and I just have to make sure that we finish in enough time to get back to the hotel, get a shower, and then head down. To, <laughs> sorry, go to the traveling fit celebration drink and then head down. So, I think um, you'll be able to do that <laughs> if 13 hours uh, time this year. I think, I, I, think, I think the most people probably are in that eight or nine hour category. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's definitely something. But also interesting at the New York Marathon, one of the first Downs, uh, Downs syndrome people to complete a marathon also occurred, and Kaylee Williamson, completed the marathon, um, the New York Marathon with Down Syndrome. And I, th- I think that's yeah. just, once again, just another great story. Um, from what I understand, I don't know a great deal about Down Syndrome, but apparently they have lower muscle tone. And uh, I, I just, once again, I just think that's amazing and uh, just another great story. There's so many feel-good stories that come yeah. out of New York every year. We, we saw the first guy ever to do an Ironman, a Down Syndrome Ironman guy. We saw him in Tokyo doing the marathon there as well. Mm. Um, And he was amazing when he ran past. He was having a good chat to us. He was happy. I think he did Boston as well last year. So he's done Boston and Tokyo and an Ironman as well. Wow. Um, And he's just incredible. Yeah, pretty impressive. Now, I do have to – I was – as you know, I listened back to the tapes and I listened to it with a um, bit of um, to see what we can do better. And uh, Mr. Tim Ellis put a tip out to watch out for Cam Levin on the, the New York Marathon. And that was okay for the first 15K because I think Cam was in the lead pack and was doing quite well. And, you know, and and fair comment here is that it wasn't just Tim that was saying, look out for him. He was highly rated and highly regarded. And there was a lot of people saying he was going to do really well. But ultimately, he stepped off the course at 20K, um, was a DNF. And um, the reason being for that was he felt unwell at the start and things just didn't improve. And, he was pretty adamant that he wasn't injured. It, um, I, I suppose once you are struggling with something that's obviously not right with you and you're running with the lead pack, that's giving you some adrenaline and some motivation. But the minute you start to drop off that, you're going, yeah, there's probably better places for me to be right now. And he made that choice. So bad luck to, to Cam and um, 
but uh, I do expect to see a lot more of him in the marathon world because um, there are big things uh, being uh, noted for him. So yeah, he's done the smart thing and listened to his body and not pushed it so that he can continue to race at a further date, which is yeah. more important than pushing through. And and 20Ks is probably where the um, fee kicks in for the appearance money, but that's just going to be No, no, well, they do. In order to get their appearance money, the elites will get have to do so many kilometres yeah. in order to earn it. So you're probably fine he ran to 20Ks just to get the accommodation and, and appearance money paid for. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, if, you have, if you don't know much about Cameron Levin from Canada, go look him up. Go look at his YouTube videos. Uh, he is, as Tony said, somebody to watch going forward. But having said all that, that's New York done and dusted for another year and next year we'll be there and we can't wait. But last week, Tony, you talked about the Athens Authentic Marathon. Yeah. I think I talked about it and I talked about the Spartans and then Kim talked about the Persians and we know it's the Persians. Um, but um, that was run and done over the weekend. Do you have any idea how the event went? Well, actually, it's interesting because uh, there's been a little bit of social media in and around the Athens Authentic. So I don't know whether it was me looking for it or mentioning it, um, but all of a sudden I've been inundated. Apparently it's a really hot, it was a hot, hilly and tough course. So um, that may change my bucket list status on the Athens <laughs> Marathon, but we'll see how we go. But, yeah, it has been run and won and... Um, Edwin Kiptu from Kenya was the winner in two hours and 10 minutes and uh, 34.34. Um, second was another Kenyan with uh, Ronza's Lokatam Kilimo at 2.12.36 and uh, Rwandan Felician Malhitari. Have you been practicing these names? 212.36. So um so for a hot and hilly course, 210. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not bad times. In the ladies, we had a Moroccan that actually won it, a lady by the name of Sukana Atanani. Yeah, I'll give you that one. 231.52. Um Carolyn Chepka. Kwoni from Kenya was the runner-up at 232.19. And Gloria, we had our first Greek athlete with Gloria, and this is the hardest name to say, Privilegio at 243. <laughs> she was in third place. But um, but from all reports, the, um, the, the medals looked amazing. They finished inside the old Olympic Stadium, and it just looks like an incredible event. So congratulations to the winners of the Athens Marathon. And we've got some breaking news because we actually have a reporter on the ground in Athens who ran the race. And Tara, you've got her race report here. So. Yeah, so one of our friends, Lynette, um, she's a, a absolute gun. She's um, This is her 11th marathon. Um, and just to let it be known that this was actually the 40th authentic Athens marathon. Athens marathon, which is really, really weird because it's been going for, well, <laughs> it feels like a lot longer. So um, so it's really the 41st marathon. Yes. Um, but anyway, so this is her exact words coming from her. Um, so she said, Athens run and done. Tough day, but consistent training would have helped. Was perfect conditions up until we started, then it was hot. Few things. Crowd was great in a couple of towns and coming into Athens City, but for the most part, it's fairly quiet and all on the main road. I've never seen so many males peeing by the side of the road before, and I've done some trail runner ultras. It was bizarre. The Greek police and armed forces must have had an entrance level for attractiveness. It's very high. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is coming from a female point of view, obviously. Um, no toilet paper in the port um, That was annoying when people were peeing all over the seats. Uh, the number of plastic bottles used was insane. There was no cups until later in the race for Coke and Hydrolate, and nobody wants to drink a whole 600 mils at each time. So you will remember in London Marathon, mm. we had the little Buxton bottles that held probably, what, 200, 200 mils, mils or so? Just able to be held in your hand, it was perfect. Whereas it sounds like they were given a whole 600 mil bottle. Wow. Um, 
There's no environmentally friendly policies there. Coming into the stadium was great, although probably not a run I would encourage friends to do unless they really want to do that authentic original marathon. Athens is a beautiful city and I would definitely recommend a, a visit um, to it. She said it started the marathon in the arena and the track was filled with hundreds of runners warming up. Most significant man landmark was a diversion in the first couple of kilometres at the tomb of the unknown soldier but other than that it was mostly along the highway mm, so, interesting. Yeah, so that's another one that um traveling fit organize yeah. um yeah so if you if you are interested in doing it you can reach out to traveling fit and their sales at travelingfit.com email address and they'll give you all the details for next year's race Sounds like an interesting race. I still probably want to do it just because it's the authentic one, just to tick it yeah. off. But uh, listening to that and listening to some of the other reports, the heat, the people, the the run itself is just running on a highway, you know, not mm. much to look at. Who knows? But, you know, you got to do it. That's the joy of travelling for running, yeah. though. You learn different things and see different things. So I'll still yeah. want to yeah, it's still probably on my bucket list. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can't fault the weather. I mean, that's one thing you don't have. And it's um, and ultimately what they're attempting to do is you follow the same course that the dude took back in whenever. And, um, yeah, that's it, Philippity. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um was the highway maybe he that was where they created the highway i don't know but yeah it still seems like something that you'd want to do but um and just the last little bit of news we've got the havana cuba marathon running this weekend now this is actually one that looks really vibrant and colorful most of it's along the waterfront there um i'm not sure how the travel is nowadays because i was aware that while um, the previous president of the United States had a travel ban on Cuba. And if you had been to Cuba, you couldn't then go to the United States. So I'm not sure if that's still the case, but I do know that travel can be quite tricky into Cuba, but it looks like a great marathon to do um, and very unique, very, very unique. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that looks good. I um, I think those, those restrictions have been eased quite a bit, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Again, you'd need to look at someone like Travelling Fit or somebody else to to understand the travel requirements getting in there. But yeah, yeah. All right, so that's the news for the week. So we're going to be turning turning up the dial a little bit now, and we're going to start talking about running in the heat. So I'm going to kick things off, and then we'll just go into sort of a general discussion, I think. But for me, running in the heat, there's sort of three things you think about. There's a pre-run preparation before you know you go out for your run. There's obviously the on-the-run component, and then there's obviously then after that the post-run recovery period. But before we talk about anything to do with running in the heat, I just want to uh, put a little bit of um, information out there, I guess, for our listeners. One is any advice that we give tonight is just our personal experience. None of us are doctors. We're just talking shit about running um, based on what works for us. Um, so if you do struggle running in the heat or you suffer anything that may be a medical issue, such as a kidney issue or, or heart or liver issues, you really should go and consult a GP before you start pushing yourself and exerting energy running in the heat. Mm. So don't listen to us. Listen to us, take some of our information in, but definitely go and talk to your GP before you do that. Also, it's important to understand that hydration is a good thing when you're running, but too much water can be just as bad as too little water, especially when you're running. Uh, we've talked about it in the past about hyponutremia, mm -hmm. which is when you have too much water, it flushes out all the, the nutrients out of your and body your and, and your electrolytes. And both um, hyponutremia and heat stroke, which is when you're starting to get dehydrated, can be fatal and can lead to obviously organ failure. So again, you need to be careful with this stuff. We are not experts in this field, but we're only telling you some tips and tricks that work for us and that we think you need to be careful of. So mm. on that note, I just want to talk about pre-run preparation, guys. So what does it look like for you guys? Tara, Tony, um, I'm going to pass it over to you, but what are some of the things you might do uh, around preparing yourself for a run in the days or even the morning of before you go for a run? 
Yeah, so look, I always um, I always make sure that the day prior to running, especially if I know it's going to be a warm day on my long runs, I will always ensure that I've well hydrated so that ensures, like I normally will drink about maybe one and a half to two litres of water a day. I'll try and up that by at least half a, half a litre. I ensure that I don't drink any alcohol the day prior as well. And I'll always have a banana prior to running. And I know I talk about bananas a lot, <laughs> but they're really good for the potassium levels. They're good to keep everything in there. They're good for the electrolytes and everything like that for you. So um, I am very, very cautious not to have salty foods the day before. Anything that's going to dehydrate me more than it needs to, I'd stay away from. Um, and try not to exert myself, I guess, by doing six hours of gardening out in the heat if I'm going to be running a long run the next day. Are you looking mm. at me? <laughs> that's what I <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. I, that's the big thing is you've got to build the hydration levels up and in preparation for that run to have your, your cells in your body well hydrated uh, and your stores there so that when you start running you've got uh, hydration and, and, and liquid in your body. Mm. Um, what about you, Tony? That whole concept of what works for you. So I'm like Tara and Sharon is the same. We drink water every day anyway so that we maintain a, a fluid level. But moving into a long run weekend or um, a race weekend will add to our normal fluid intake um, like a, a drink like noon, which is a hydration Um the one I'm actually drinking at the moment is one that I've just heard of from the United States called Scratch. So I just thought I'd share it on air. Just a... <laughs> How does it taste? It's not bad. It's not bad. It, I've got the lemon lime. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of good uh, content coming out around Scratch at the moment. So, But, yeah, normally those couple of days before we just increase, not by a lot, but we you know, just have a bottle of Noon or a bottle of Scratch or something else that's going to help you keep your hydration. Yep. And then on the, uh, yeah, so as we're building in, we're building some additional hydration. We used to hear the word water loading all the time when shows like Big Brother were on and people would water load so that if they had immunity, so their scales would go through the roof and then, the next week they'd get rid of all that water so they'd have this massive weight loss. And But um, but ultimately that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to give you, your body a little bit of extra hydration that's going to help you in whatever it is that you're planning to do over that, whether it's a long run or whether it's a race day. Yeah, yeah and again, you, being very careful not to overhydrate yourself with water. So as you were saying with electrolytes, it's really, really good. I use a product called Revy's. Um, and they're really like caffeine strips, but they also make an electrolyte drink as well. And it's amazing. It's um, it's very, very neutral. It's wonderful stuff. So big mm. shout out to Revis. Um, but they do a really, really good um, hydration drink pre and post and yeah. during. Yeah. Once again, those drinks that we talk about are just we talk about them because they work for us. So that's right. Um, you know, everybody. And there's so many on the market that you can really become overwhelmed. But you know, just try one and see if it works for you. And if it works for you, that's awesome. Stay with it. And and then when you feel brave enough, try another brand or another flavor or something because I think it is important that you get used to whatever it is that you're going to be using to help with your hydration. Yeah. And I guess, guys, it's the same for food as well. Um, obviously, you need to eat enough food to fuel yourself for those longer runs, and you're probably going to earn, exert a lot more energy, so you probably need to eat a little bit more food. But, again, uh, we typically wouldn't eat a lot of salty foods or fatty foods in the day beforehand, generally proteins, vegetables, uh, lighter foods, but foods that don't have that dehydrating component to them, yeah? I have been known to have a um, some fatty foods and some salty foods before a 5K, but, um, but certainly five, nothing. 5K is all right, though. Like... <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing longer and nothing, uh, yeah, you've got to look after what you eat. 
as though. Yeah. Yeah. And um, closing wise, guys, beforehand, um, what are you doing? No, we're getting ready to go out for your run. What are you sort of thinking when you're getting ready to run? You... Yeah, so I always do a flat lay the night before because I like to get up really early to make sure I'm out there before the heat of the day hits mm. too hard as well. So uh, don't run during the middle of the day. That's just crazy. Um, try try and do it as late in the afternoon or in the evening or as early in the morning as you can, especially when the humidity is high and the sun is beating down on you. I will always make sure that I've got a hat, sunglasses, a T-shirt um, is preferable over a singlet. However, I will always wear a singlet because I, I'm just, yeah, comfort. But I always... Mm sunscreen 50 plus sunscreen and it just gets pretty much dumped from one end of the head to the end of the uh, body not, so. not from above the eyes you, I tend to <laughs> you don't want it sweaty into your eyes yeah <laughs> and moisture wicking i presume clothing that's pretty much standard nowadays yeah i stay away from cotton it's just good for chafing and um mm. body glide body glide is my go-to for non-chafing with the humidity and the heat. <laughs> I mean, look, there's lots of products on the market. Um, I think there's Squirrels Nut Butter. There's so many other ones. But, yeah, Body Glide's my go-to. Yeah. 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 And and support that 3 million percent because there's nothing worse than uh, chafed nipples or bleeding nipples, which can often happen to... Um, us blokes especially because we normally just have our shirt and our t-shirts on um, so there is a chain of thought around lighter color clothing of course and yep. um, that helps you and there's also a chain of thought for men especially when it comes to that uh, chafing of the nipples that sort of thing to wear a shirt that's a little bit maybe tighter than what they normally would so now in saying that, I don't subscribe to that. My shirts are baggy because I'm pretty certain that so many people out there would not want to see a tight, <laughs> slim fitting shirt on on a body like me. But but you, there is some thought that maybe the tighter the shirt helps eliminate some of that chafing. But um, I can't speak to that from uh, personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know one of our good friends, Lucia, she runs with a cool towel around her neck as well. So she will wet it down um, yeah. and run with it around her neck to keep her cool. We always have hydration on us, even if it's going to be in a place where we're familiar with where the water stops are. We carry water all the time, whether it be for a, anything pretty much over a 10K in yep. summer, we will always carry hydration with us at all times because you just never know um, what's around the corner. Mm. Yeah, and it's handy because you've got them water you can splash yourself with in the face if need be. And as you say, we carry also uh, those wet towels, those those um, cool towels, and you just wet them down a little bit, shake them, and you get a nice cool towel to help yourself with when you're, yep. when you're going as well. So it's, they're good things to have. Um, and I guess the other thing, the last thing around pre-planning, um, it's coming down to choosing your route and acclimatising to the area that you're running in. So, um, you know, it's one of the things that hits me from my earlier studies that I used to, when I was uh, younger and I did a, a bit of uni and, and things, was um, when uh, when uh, Americans and, and Australians and, and, and other countries go into battle, particularly in hot climates, they'll tend to arrive a week or two beforehand mm. and just put their troops down on the ground and tell them to do nothing other than just sit there on the ground, uh, maybe do some minor tasks or whatever. But uh, it's largely just to get them acclimatised before they go into battle. And it's a bit the same if you're travelling. Um, you don't want to get off the plane after coming from a cold climate and then the very next day going and running in the heat you want to try and avoid that and give yourself a couple of days to acclimatize the heat and just get used to it um, and then i guess the other one is when you're doing your route planning probably looking for shadier routes is a good thing it's amazing how um, when you run and you come across a shady patch it can only it might only be 10 meters that you run through in shade but it just feels cooler and better for that little mm. bit of time and it gives you enough energy to keep going but Definitely find a, a an indoor or a, a shadier spot, or maybe even an indoor place to go running. Yeah, it was interesting you, that you mentioned that, Tim, because during Berlin, as you know, Berlin got hotter as the day 
went on during the marathon and you know your normal thing is to try and stay in the middle of the road so you're not moving too far off that 42.2k measurement but there are a lot of streets there where the middle of the road was baked in sunshine and over on the side of the road there was just really long portions of shade whether it be through trees or whether it be through buildings and we were in the middle of the road then all of a sudden the, the brain kicks in and says let's go to the shade and it, it, it was noticeable it was really noticeable it was like two three four five degrees cooler running in the shade than what it was out in the middle of the road so that's a really good point you make yeah, we, we found that same same thing in berlin we were running in yeah. the shade of the building we were making beelines for all the shady spots it's like oh don't worry about the distance it, we just want the shade it definitely yeah. helps Yep. And if I go back to my, if I put my uh, safety training on, I guess with um, risk management, um, you always try to eliminate things first. So try to eliminate running in the heat. If you can't eliminate it, then try and isolate yourself uh, to somewhere where you can run in a cooler environment or where you're a bit shadier. So um, yep. definitely, definitely um, do those things. Now, what about when we're on the run? So we've done all our pre-planning. Now we're heading out to do our run. What are some of the tips and tricks for running in the heat, guys? I always slow down. Yep. I slow right down. Um, I don't see the point in overheating my body by yeah. going any faster. So my long run, well, it doesn't matter which run it is. I can do park run in, you know, 27 minutes in winter and I'll sit around about 30 to 35 in summer, depending on the day and which course I'm on. Um, I always run slower. I know I probably need to just get it over and done with, but I, I find if I overheat my body, it's there's no point. So, mm. yeah. It is it's interesting, though. I don't know, Tony, how much you've trained through summer for a, a March, April, or you probably did it last year for Boston, an April marathon. Yeah. But coming out of the heat and into a cooler environment, you tend to just find this extra endurance about you because you've been toughened up through the heat. And we found that a number of times when we train through summer, our early winter form of our running is really strong and really good. Yeah. We're running quick times. Yeah, we we um, did the full training leading into Tokyo 2020, as you would have done. So yeah. um, that was our first experience of trying to do long runs in, you know, Christmas period. And that we learned that was yeah, a very thirty-eight degree run. <laughs> learned so much from that. So, and we just got better. And you know, there's nothing better than getting a, hearing that alarm go off at four a.m. or three thirty a.m. and <laughs> get you out of bed and away you go. And you know, it is still hot here in Queensland at that time of you know morning. So. You, but you escaping the sun as much as possible. Like the sun's now up in Queensland just past four a little bit. So mm. it really does become a challenge trying to find out when you can run. But but I guess when it comes to on the run for us, we don't carry water. We don't do the, the camelbacks or all those things at all. You, you've heard me talk about our compass runs and that's our major strategy and if it's a really, really hot day, we would just, instead of doing a 5K loop and come back to the, the the car for our drinks, we'd do a 3K loop. So that we're trying to keep it. And once again, like Tara says, it's it may not necessarily be our ideal race experience, but we're not going to put ourselves in danger. Um, we also make sure that on every loop of the compass run, we know where the water is and we know when we're coming up to it. So because that plays in with your nutrition and because we always want to take our nutrition prior to hitting taking a drink to to wash it down so that's our major strategy i guess but you know like before with the clothing we're we're confident that we're dressed for the weather we've got a hat on um etc etc so but yeah and in our compass, we will always have things like, um, you know, the Gatorades of the world and some electrolyte drinks as well as just chilled water yep. so that we um, we get a choice just like you would on race day. And the electrolytes are really, really important because it replaces those lost 
salts mm. and um, minerals that you lose with sweat. And I don't know about anyone else, but I know that after, and I know Tim does, but after a really long run, you look at your hat and it's actually white if you're wearing yeah. a dark colored hat yeah. or you can feel it on your face, that salty, grittiness. So if you're replacing those um, natural body um, minerals that you're losing, as you're losing them, so much more the better as well because just water itself is not going to cut it for you. So, yeah. so roughly, Tara, and I know the answer, but how often do you do your electrolytes? Is it sort of every drink of every time you want to drink or is it like every second? Yeah, no, I don't, don't do my electrolytes every time. I'll usually just drink water um, and then I'll have an electrolyte drink and then have a sip of water. So it's usually every second um, drink of that I'm doing it. It depends mm. entirely on how hot it is, but yeah, I try and maintain probably about 500 mils of electrolytes for a 21k run. So, um, and then I go through about a liter and a half of water. So, yeah, um, I am a, I am like a camel though. I do drink a lot of water when I'm running, and Tim's always at me. You're drinking too much water um, because I have suffered from hyponatremia before. And it's not pleasant. So, oh, yeah. 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 Um, and I guess the other one is around sweat levels, monitoring your sweat levels, knowing that and being conscious and alert to your body and what it's doing. So one of the things of uh, heat exhaustion, heat stroke is when you stop, stop sweating. So the moment you stop sweating is usually the moment you're dehydrated and you're about to go into heat stroke. So constantly monitoring your sweating, keep an eye on it. If you're not sweating or you're not sweating that much and you're starting to dry up, drink more water. Well, it's, it's probably already too late. By yeah, it's stage. probably already too um, late. You probably need to just stop your run and rest up. But yeah. Yeah. you need to be sweating. And if you're not sweating, then there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. And then, Tony, I guess you're, you're familiar with this one is around cramping as well. Um, and muscle cramps, uh, which are quite common again when you're when you're becoming exhausted mm. um, and affected by the heat as well. So again, your pickle juice that you you promote so much mm. is something that, that becomes quite common as well. Yeah, and it's always interesting, Tim. Early stages of every football season and towards the latter stages, you see all the players out in the field. All of a sudden, they, they're more prone to cramp in the in the hotter periods of the year than what they are traditionally in the June, July, August type period. So cramping is real and there's a number of ways that people can uh, cover that, you know, salt tablets, electrolytes. Um, personally, I like the pickle juice, but pickle juice is only good after you've started to cramp. So it's about how you try and prevent the cramp, I think, is more important. And you do that in with electrolytes and probably salt tablets more than anything else. Yeah. We also we take a daily dose of magnesium as well, Tara and I. Magnesium helps stop muscle cramping. Mm. Um, so we take a daily dose of that. And we don't typically get a lot of cramping in our legs when we're running because of that that magnesium. So yeah. Whereas I've got I've got legs that go out and um, sympathy with the other <laughs> if me. <you know. laughs> With my, with my ankle the way it is, it's been funny because I've been getting night cramps on the other calf. It's it's oh. like it's like it's like it's saying, "Hey," and I haven't even done anything to sort of get the cramp. You're just lying there, and all of a sudden it'll pop up. It's like it's like don't forget leg, about me. I'm sore yeah, too. The, the left leg is saying, "Hey, I'm still here. I'm just you know, <laughs> don't give all your attention to that other foot leg." You know, so. Um, but a jealousy simply <laughs> yeah. and i think uh in accordance with my tip last week um it's probably a good idea to break up your training so we're not talking um uh, we, we keep saying slow down in summer take it yeah. easier but you know having moments where you can break up the run a little bit or change your strategies to maybe do two shorter runs in a day one in the morning one in the afternoon rather than one long run might be an option yeah. It might be an option to, you know, do some more treadmill treadmill work during the day where you're inside in a controlled environment. I know you don't like the treadmill, Tony, <laughs> but we've got a whole episode on that coming up next week around the treadmill. So oh, I, um, can't, I can't wait. Um, yeah. <laughs> look a bit more enthusiastic. <laughs> but, um, yeah, definitely look at that. Be, be smarter with how you're training. Slow it down. 
um, focus on maybe shorter speed sessions if you're doing them rather than longer mm. speed sessions. And I know you run with Sharon and Tim and I run together as well, especially in the heat of summer. Um, if possible, try and run with somebody just so they can keep an eye on things and make sure that you're going okay because mm. it's very easy to lose focus when you've got heat stroke and you start going all over the shop. I mean, we saw the guy at the Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast where he hit the ground really, really hard on the bridge. He was probably, what, about 30? Yeah, 38 kilometres or 39 kilometres. kilometres, and he just couldn't get back up again, and that was a lot yeah. of that was heat. Um, so if you can have somebody with you watching you and your motions, Tim's always checking to make sure I'm sweating and that I'm taking in fluids and all of that. But it is a good idea if you can run with somebody as well, yeah. just to make sure you're safe, especially if you're out on the trails. Yeah. And there's good things you can do with your watch. So your, your Garmin watches, and I know a lot of the other smart watches do it as well, they have an emergency alert function. So if you stop moving for, I don't know, three seconds or five seconds, it then dials automatically dials uh, an emergency contact number on your phone, gives them your position. Um, there's other apps like Life360 and others that can be used to track you as well. So it's a, it's an important thing to also just watch out for your own personal safety, as Tara says. Very mm. mm. much so. That's the on-the-run bit. Any other on-the-run stuff, guys? Or No. no I, I, th I think if you start seeing Elvis Presley running beside you or Jesus Christ or um, you've probably gone a little bit too far, and you're probably in the first stages stages of um, delusion created from um, dehydration. So um, that might be a sign also just to pull yourself up. And yeah. if you start feeling dizzy, um, when just ease it back. Just yeah. Yeah. listen to your body. That's the most important thing. Don't push it. We're not playing for sheep stations. Um, mm. You know, we're not out there at all run for the Olympics or anything like that. We just have to run and we want to continue to run yeah. on a long-term basis. You're not betting your life on your run, that's no. for sure. So, yeah. So post-run. So post-run recovery, what do we do, Tara? Well, I love to come home and jump straight into the swing. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know you're not supposed to, but I love it. I just love getting into the swimming pool and I'll do my... Like I'll do a few laps and then I'll do my stretches in the swimming pool. And it's actually really, really nice because mm. load-bearing um, has been taken off you. <laughs> you know, I've got a step and it's just the right level for my legs to, you know, put up and I can stretch everything out nice and easily. Can I just say the number one dot point that I put on the run sheet tonight was give your body time to cool down. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> yeah, and I and I will support that. So Tara, you've probably driven home in an air-conditioned car yeah. from yeah. 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 So yeah. you've probably yeah. given your body a time to cool down. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I should say that. Like we don't do our runs around the streets. If I'm doing it around the streets, I would be walking it out first. Yeah. So yeah. the last thing you'd want to be doing is taking your body um <clears throat> on that sh sudden shift of temperature. Oh, absolutely. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've taken in a lot of fluids. I've usually taken in a whole other five or 600 mils of fluids on travel home, usually yeah. an electrolyte, sugar-free electrolyte, and then I'll just jump straight in the pool um, yeah. and stretch out in there. But I will do my laps as well, so I'll stretch the arms and, you know, I'll keep that movement going. It's not just I get in the pool and sit there with a glass of wine or anything as much as I'd like to. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Yeah. It's early in the morning when I finish. It's 8.30. It's way too early for wine. <laughs> Maybe Five a beer. Five o'clock somewhere. So, yeah. So, <laughs> give, give your body time to cool down. And, yeah. you know, and for, when I was playing footy back in my younger days, I was stupid enough to go in and jump straight in under a cold shower one really, really hot day. And um, it's not pretty. It, no. I, my body started shaking and convulsing and... You know, I was pretty clued in that I knew that when stuff started to happen to me that I got out of the shower. And um, But, yeah, it could have been incredibly dangerous. So, yeah. Uh, and I think the other thing on that point is drink water afterwards, but not cold water. We all feel like we need a really cold drink after we've gone for a long run. The cold drink doesn't actually help you. It actually is worse for you. It overheats you. Yeah, it can be 
can be bad. So just drink cool water. You know, it doesn't have to be tap water or it doesn't have to be uh, warm, warm water, but just cool water and then slowly keep just drinking in little bits to bring it back up to your hydration levels and just watch your urine levels. You know, they'll go from brownie yellow to golden yellow to pale yellow to, to clear. Um, and mm. obviously you're looking for that pale yellow to show that you're hydrated. Um, so keep an eye on your urine colours. And as Tim said, just slowly with the rehydration at the end of it because um, you can vomit it all back up yeah. again. And I've seen numerous athletes where they're like, I just yeah. need water. They drink it all in and then it all just comes straight back out again. Um, <clears throat> so. You can have some electrolyte too, but water is probably the better one at this stage. You've already burned up all the salts and, and you know, you need to reintroduce it again slowly, but probably water is the more effective one one of hydrating and it's better to be hydrated first and and then bring your electrolytes back up uh it's all important to stretch as well afterwards and make sure you do stretch out just because you're feeling warm and you're feeling good and you gradually slow down uh, cool down your muscles still mm. need to be stretched and still need to recover out as they normally would and i guess the last bit of advice that i give to people is get sleep you're going to be more fatigued than you probably normally are when you're running in the heat so get some extra sleep go to bed an hour earlier sleep in a little bit longer if you can mm. uh, it will drain you and it'll be draining you for a couple of days if you're not used to it yeah yeah absolutely and i normally put ice packs on my calves once i've had a shower and cleaned up after a run yeah and, that uh, with ramping tony um, well, that's just because I've got dodgy calves, so but it always helps me to cool down a little bit more anyway and keep, keeps me pretty much in a steady position there while I've, you know, come out of the run and it just gives me that chance to review, refresh, all that stuff that's going on. So Absolutely. Oh, look, I just want to add one more thing while we're running. Um one of my really good friends, um, SJ, she suggested this to me, and it's actually putting water on your wrists, so the inside of your wrists when you're running. So when you're on a race, take your water, have a sip of it, you know, don't throw out the rest of it, pour it onto your wrists and your hands, yep, the inside of your wrists, mm. and it actually cools you down yeah. really, work. really well. Like really, really well. And just, um, just makes you feel a bit cleaner and less sticky and yeah. just reset you a little bit as well. So that's another little tip is Good pull, tip. You know, the extra water from your cup on the inside of the wrists while yep. you run it. Yeah. Good tip. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for that, guys. That's uh, that's what we've talked about tonight is there's uh, running in the heat. As we said, it can be a little bit tri tricky if you're not used to it but it can be very fun and enjoyable. You just need to be smart and recognise that you need to slow things down a little bit. The good news, as I said earlier on, is that if you are running a reasonably consistent program through the summer months, you'll generally come back in autumn autumn and winter a lot fitter and a lot stronger and faster um, is generally mm. the way it goes. So so that's really cool. So thanks for that, that information, guys, and that, that talk just now. Now, I did promise all of our listeners something a little extra tonight and a little bit different on this episode. Uh, so we've got a little bit of time up our sleeves, not much, but a little bit of time. And it's occurred to me during the week that we haven't really uh, had our listeners hear from us around what our fast six are when we ask our special guests to do a fast six. So uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to all do our own fast six tonight. So I'm going to kick things off and I'm going to ask Tony his fast six. And then I'll mm. get Tony because it's usually your your episode, your part of the episode every week to ask the fast six. Mm. I'm going to get you to ask the fast six as well. But instead of six, I'm going to ask a seventh question as well, um, which I think is important. So, okay. all right. So, Tony, are you, ready? are you ready yes. for the fast six? All right. Yeah. Podcasts or music? Uh, usually podcasts. Best running advice given to you? One foot in front of the other. What advice would you give to someone starting out? Start slowly and don't look at other people's results or what they're doing. It's all about you. Yep. Uphill or downhill? I'm saying downhill every day. <laughs> Gels or blocks? Blocks. Blocks. And favourite shoes to run in? Uh, Sacconi Tempest. Sacconi Tempest. And the seventh question, what is the favorite your favourite running event that you've done to date? Uh... 
I'm going to say New York, but, geez, London was close and so was Chicago. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah, you have to have New York. three favourites. New York. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm going right. to pass over to you. Okay. Let's do this. So, Tim, I'm going to ask Tara first. So, Tara, okay. you ready? Yep. So, podcast or music? Music. Best running advice ever given to you? Don't compare yourself to anyone else. What advice would you give to someone starting out? Don't compare yourself to somebody else. No, <laughs> um, take take your time. Listen to your body. Uphill, downhill? Down. Gels or blocks? Blocks. Favourite shoes to run in? Brooks ghosts. <laughs> um, Favourite running event done? Can I have two? Yeah. Okay. So my favourite trail event is Monotapu Marathon in New Zealand, um, South Island running for Crown Range down into Arrowtown, absolutely stunning, amazing, creek crossings, yeah. river crossings. And for road marathons, I am not going to pick a major. I'm actually going to say the Dopey Marathon Ooh. because you get to stop for characters and it's fun, you get to see the world <laughs> and... Where else do you get to run with monkeys yeah. beside you? <laughs> hey, I'm not a monkey. <laughs> I was just about to say, Tari, <laughs> you run with a character the whole, just about <laughs> every time. So Maybe that's anyway. why I like it so much. I just yeah. run every day, yes. <laughs> All right. Well done. Tim, your turn. Podcast or music? Uh, music. Best running advice given to you? Uh, when running uphill, shorten the stride and focus on swinging your arms. What advice would you give to someone starting out? Slow and steady. Uphill or downhill? I like uphill. Gels or blocks? Blocks. Favourite shoes to run in? Brooks Ghosts. <laughs> Favourite running event? Oh, it must be a Kiwi thing. I'm, I'm not a Kiwi, but I really love the Queenstown Marathon, and that's on this weekend as well in New Zealand. So... Um, beautiful little run. It starts out at Arrowtown um, and you run on a combination of roads and it's not trail. Well, it's trail, but it's decomposed granite. So it's quite mm. um, a nice trail to shuffle in on, uh, run around a couple of lakes and finish in the middle of Queenstown. Spectacular. And I think Excellent. we can all probably add in there that Outback, Outback Marathon for all of us. Mm. I think we can all add that one in as one of yeah. our favorite. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a special. It's, yeah. It's unique. So, yeah. all right. Yeah, right. So now that we've done that, and thanks, Tim, for uh, doing that as a special treat for our viewers. I hope they enjoyed that. But what we look forward to every week <laughs> and something that I often dread every week is <laughs> Tim's tip. And You only dread it because you've got to put three bullet points onto an Instagram post. <laughs> yeah. All anyway, right. what do you so got this, for us? This one is a heat-related one. It's around um, sunscreen and skin cancer this week. So uh, personal experience, I've uh, had some skin cancers chopped out of my nose previously. It required plastic surgery. It's not fun. So it is important to cover up. Use a sports 50-plus uh, sunscreen, as I said earlier on, generally from the eyes down, over the nose, over the tops of the ears, neck, shoulders, anywhere where you've got exposed skin. Obviously, you don't like to put it above the eyes. It sweats in there. So I wear a good hat that sits over the top of my my um, face and my nose. Uh, and my nose. Um, just on the hat thing, I think I've said this before, but it is amazing when I run overseas at how few people actually wear hats overseas. It, mm. It's crazy. But... Aussies, you need to wear hats, uh, sunglasses as well. Important that you get a regular skin check from your GP or from a skin cancer clinic every six to 12 months. Um, and if you've got any spots, don't mess around with it. Get in there, get those spots checked. They're likely to be uh, nothing, but occasionally there will be one that turns nasty and it becomes a skin, scan skin cancer. When skin cancers hit and they turn into melanoma, they become very aggressive and you don't have a lot of time to react um, mm. and they can be quite fatal. They're, they're the nastiest of the cancers because they just spread rapidly. So do the right thing, cover up when you're out in the sun and uh, and you'll be right. Well done. All right, so that's that. I'm now going to say, what do I have to say here? So we are starting to get to the end of this episode. So before we do that, 
Tara, what's coming up on next week's episode? Oh, next week. Okay, so thanks, Tim. Following on from this week's topic, um, we've got next week we're talking about the dreadmill, which I know Tony just absolutely hates, but <laughs> I love. We will give you some tips and tricks on hopefully taking the dread out of the treadmill. So if you feel like you aren't going anywhere on a treadmill, this is the episode for you. <laughs> Did you get that? Oh, <laughs> another one of Tim's puns. Why does it give them to me to say? So you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and and just for the viewers and listeners, I probably won't be contributing too much to next week's episode. So anyway. uh, you will. You will. Um, so that ends our seasonally hot show tonight. <laughs> we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Flying Runner. And if you did enjoy this podcast, Please tell your friends. Please like and subscribe wherever you listened or watched this episode. Video of this episode will be available at Spotify and YouTube and audio will be available on Apple, Amazon and Google Podcasts as well as most other popular podcast platforms. So farewell tonight, Tony and, and Tara. And remember, every step forward is a victory. Lace up, hit the road and we'll catch up on the next episode. Until then, happy running. Happy, happy running. running.